Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Crowcast Podcast. I'm Shane. Hey, I'm Ronnie. And these are the audio versions of the interviews we've had with our special guests on Crowcast. This episode is with Spike from the Choir Boys. Well, this is fresh off the episode. We got a tour in the morning. Um, probably one of the most eventful episodes we've done. This is episode 76, if you're after the visual. Um, this is the audio podcast. It's quite eventful. So many stories from Spike. I'm still trying to process it. Um, yeah, just just complete insight to, to his career. I'm um, I'm literally lost of words. <laughs> like, I feel like I need therapy now. <laughs> like, it was so entertaining. Like, you listen to the comments, and you know we're watching the comments. Sorry, while while um, we're having the interview and I'm the chat with Spike, and everybody's just rocking, laughing, and just saying, "Oh, what a character Spike is!" But I'm there, just like he's name dropping left, right, and center. Um, he's got his way of looking at the world. Um, just a character, absolutely true to himself. Um, <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's all I can say. Like, it's just some of the stories, dude. Mental. Well, we're familiar with the Choir Boys. So, for anybody who doesn't know, we played shows with them. Actually, you know, one of the biggest shows we started off playing. Um, yeah. it was it was at the O2 Forum <clears throat> with the Choir Boys. Um. So we've known them on the circuit and shared many stages with them. And now we're st- it's it's not so much the stages now; it's more the the festivals we we tend to see mm-hmm. them on the bill. Um, we've never really seen him about until he performs. He explains that during this episode, yeah. um, which was which was brilliant, uh, incredible insight to how he approaches a gig. Um, and as Shane said, it was like just echoing what you just said, but there's. It's just mad to think, like, the name drops, you know, your Bonnie Tyler's, your Tom Jones, your Ronnie Woods, your David Bowie, your... And, and bang, bang, he lit you with another story out of nowhere. Um, just just insane, insane. Um, a real insight to how we grew up, a real insight to how the choir boys... Well, I don't even know if we got that far. Of... <laughs> how they... you know what? We didn't speak much about the choir boys. <laughs> I know. I was just trying to think of that now because, like, we are literally fresh off this episode. Um, we're doing the recap now because, like I said, we're going on we're going on tour tomorrow, and um, it'd just be mad because we'd say, "Yeah, we're going on tour tomorrow." Spike with the with the Wild Arts. Ah, Ginger was in the band, wasn't he? Um, and then we go start talking about that, and then I don't know. We just we gone to Hollywood, and um, then ended up back in London. It was just you at the you just followed him on the journey and it was just unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Writing songs for people and just off on a tangent and you just go in places you thought, what, how will we end up here? Great chat. Great human being. Just full of, full of, full of beans, dude, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? He loves it. He breathes rock and roll. Well, he said that it, in all fairness, that is Bob on that is because he, he genuinely said that I'm just you know I'm living it you got to be all about you know he lived the image he lived the cast what did he say I'm, I'm still wearing the same clothes from 30, 30 years ago yeah yeah <laughs> Brilliant. outstanding I'm still processing it so are you we've got to get a bed um, loads to do should we get into it here we go strap in <laughs> this is Crowcast Podcast <laughs> Damn! Oh. 
shall we shall we have a guest? Oh, please, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, Crow family, please welcome the front man of the choir boys. It's the legend that is Spike. How? <laughs> yeah, there he is. How you doing, mate? God, lads, it's so nice to see you. Oh, I, didn't turn up, I didn't turn up in the forum to see you early. <laughs> <laughs> you were out the back, you were. You were out the back. I never got a sound check. <laughs> Mate, we were talking about this, so that was, we couldn't believe. That's like four years, four years ago, five years ago. Um, just, or three, three, four years ago, just how quick time flies, like, you know? It's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, man, absolutely I wish bonkers. we were back in lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first year I've had off. <laughs> I can imagine that because I've seen lately you've been you've been the same. You've been non-stop since the uh, the gates opened. You're straight out there performing, straight out there. Do you know what I went out? Uh, I got offered to do. I got offered to do one gig, I think in London, and then it all kicked off again, and then that one show led into. 27, 28. So I was the first person to play on May the 18th. Wow. And you know what? It was was a completely different show. For a start, the people heard me play the guitar for the first time. Yeah. Nobody knew I could play the guitar, and I cannot. (laughs) 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 How are you guys being anywhere? Uh, very well, dude. We're so busy at the moment, which is amazing That's to see. We've had our last rehearsal now. We're going up with the Wild Arts um, on their tour now, starting tomorrow. Tomorrow. So excited, uh, I, was, I was in Dover on Sunday, and the Wild Hearts played the night before. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't seen them Unfortunately, all, I yeah. missed them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah. uh Ginger used to be in the choir boys. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, that was the early days. Then. That was the early days, I was, wasn't that, it? That he, he came to, when we were in God yeah, it was like I mean, people forget that we started in I think in eighty four, eighty five. And then uh he he played at Hammersmith when he played with Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses, yeah. And oh. at the Marquee and we went through a lot of yeah, yeah. Can you swear on you. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, really? I don't swear. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> now we had a. Uh, he's a lovely guy. He's a fellow Geordie. Of course, yeah. And Danny McCormack. I heard you t- talking about my other mate, Chris McCormack earlier. Yeah. Yes, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, we, guy. we just bumped into better. him. Yeah, we just bumped. Well, that's one of our favourite bands growing up. That was Three Colours Red. Um, really. Yeah, yeah, honestly, man. And you never heard of the music before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll tell him how when we see him tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. He, can't, he can't play a minor chord, but that's a good <laughs> thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, we're catching up with him. I think we're seeing him Thursday when we, because um, we're playing the electric ballroom with the, the Wild Arts. Or, oh, brilliant. Yeah. Say hi to Danny and... Ginger and uh, CJ and everybody. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, was, yeah. I spotted Danny the other week. Yeah. When he rang me up. <laughs> Why are you nodding your head? <laughs> he still lives in Newcastle. I've he been up in Newcastle. I've been up in Northumberland all the time though, so 
And I'm in Bedford now. Is that where you're based now, yeah? I live in the Lenny Henry suite of the Premier Inn. (laughs) Don't we all? Don't we all? We all live there, man. Jesus Christ. It's a big bed. (laughs) Ron, Ron, last night in Dover. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You got the same uh, colour as um, the colour walls in that room as well. Pardon? Lenny Henry's hotels. They're purple as well, aren't they? I know, a prince designed them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it's so great to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, You too. I don't know nothing about this show, by the way. That's fine. I've ever, ever, ever ever done a Zoom call. Is it really? Yes. Oh, that's amazing, man. Because we thought you'd done loads through fucking... I've I've not, you know, Chris's wife had put this out for me. Yeah, it's not just that. Through lockdown, everybody... Obviously, we started this through lockdown because nobody could gig, and we were, like, trying to work uh, out a way to keep active and how, how could we meet people, how could we speak to people. So uh, this is how we started this show, like, you know, and... What's funny is when I... The choir was on tour in America. We went to Australia and then came back to America and then COVID hit. So I'd, I'd done lockdown in Northumberland. And so I thought... Let's, I'll do play some songs, right? But my sister is worse than me. And everybody was like, so I'd do s- stuff on the internet and they'd go, can you please turn them the right way up? <laughs> 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 but, uh, uh, hey, it was a mad time, you know? But, uh, so how long have you been in this mad game of hours, bed? When did you start? I moved to London when I was 16 from Newcastle. Right, it's yeah. uh, and then days it was like you have to uh, basically to get a job because you yeah. didn't have any. And my father didn't want me to be being playing football with Gaza because he knew what I looked like alcoholic. <laughs> 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 and uh, he took us out the monkey ball, which is a famous pub in Newcastle, and uh, he says, "Come on!" And he took me around building sites and and in London. And I ended up working opposite St. James's Army Barracks. Right. Sorry, opposite Buckingham Palace, which is St. James's Army Barracks. So if you, yeah. if anybody wants any crazy, crazy paving done, <laughs> if there's another lockdown, I'm your man. And trust okay. me, it'll be fucking crazy paving. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to do it. I got Guy Bailey. I moved in with Guy Bailey. Uh, the, uh, you know where the Oval is? The Oval Cricket yeah, yeah. Ground? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think you play cricket in Wales, do you? Uh, a bit. Yeah. It's more fucking... Come on, you've never played up. cricket. Tell the truth. <laughs> but, all right. So anyway, it's the Oval. And, uh, and I, I met Guy Bailey. And the... Uh, and the Market Tavern, which was the, the pub at the Oval Cricket Ground. And I got him a job working for me, well, working with me, but he never actually worked. He just went to the toilet 24 hours a day, and I'd done all his work. And uh, and then my father brought a guitar to him, because my father loved the cricket. And our, our place over the Oval, I don't know if you know this, being Welsh, right? <laughs> but you've you got a perfect view. Of the cricket, right. and uh, so my dad, but he brought me me guitar down, 
And I'd lived with Guy Bailey, I think, for about a year at that point. And uh, Guy said to me, he says, I never knew you could play the guitar. And I, I never knew the guy could play the guitar. Right. And uh, that, that week, when England were playing the West Indies, we wrote, I don't love you anymore, 7 o'clock. <laughs> and my father went, do you know what? You should start a band together. Wow. And that's how it all started. Isn't that weird? That's wild. Wow. We'd never taught music before that. And then that's how we ended up, you know, supporting all the punk bands, all the, you know, it was like, uh, I had the name The Choir Boys, spelled C, you know, like C-H-O-I-O. Yeah. And that's what we were going to be called. And then we were working on the building site. And when we decided to do the band, Guy, we used to dress the same as what we do now, actually. In fact, I'm wearing the same clothes as what I wore on the building site 38 years ago. <laughs> and uh, so we'd have, like, eyeliner smudged from the night before. And I remember this old Irish guy going, You're being called the choir boys. And... Uh, he says, well, that fucker in, you should be called the fucking queer boys. And we thought, oh, what a great idea. So uh, there's legendary pictures of us outside the, the cricketers. And it says, choir boys are go-go. Qu- sorry, queer boys are go-go. With a big spelling mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, that's how we started. Once, I mean, we were making a lot of money. It was great money. You know, yeah. we didn't have to pack, but we, we'd we been playing, obviously, like, we'd played with Tenpole Tudor. We'd played with I mean, so many bands that you would never think that we... That's what I say to young bands now when I meet them. You know, get yourself a good agent or get an agent. And I mean, we had a... I'm sure that you guys done the same. I mean, we had a, a yellow... Bedford van and would sleep on the bloody amps and you know so did we. we we had a yellow van as well that's incredible that's, said, that's incredible yeah. coincidence when we started off 16 years of yes. age yeah. we, used to, we used to get our uh, mate's old man uh, to drive us to the gigs while while he could until one of the band passed the test and then we had the yellow van then so yeah that's that's so yellow fucking van. mad how you said that yeah 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 and it was like you'd be in the back of it, sleeping on the amps, and then all the petrol fumes would come in, yeah. and you start hallucinating. <laughs> <laughs> we we used to make you remember them palm machines, well, you know at service stations. Yeah, we used to nick one of them per night <laughs> and smash them up with the side of the motorway so we get all the ten pences. <laughs> <laughs> and then when uh. we were. When we first started, we'd be like, because I grew up, my father always owned hotels and pubs and everything, so I grew up playing pool, so I'd, I'd always play the owner. If there was a pool table there, I'd let him win the first three games, and then the band would be snicking around the back, nicking the bottles of Jack Daniels, nicking everything, <laughs> and then uh, I'd play him for quadruple the money, win, and then would head off. But many a time I lost... <laughs> you know this is when we were kids but uh we had we had such a blast uh, they're, they're one of the days that made our band i think yeah 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 yeah, yeah for sure That's how you, it, it was like an apprenticeship of yeah. how 
you know. Yeah. And we're still playing the same songs today. <laughs> it's incredible. But no, but it's incredible, dude. The, the the history of the band and how far you've come and stuff. But I want to go back, dude, if I can, before you even met Guy. So how when did you know you had a voice? That that unique voice that you got? Like when did you know that you could sing that way? No, what my dad, as I said, my father owned hotel. But we lived in. Um, he grew up in the hotel. I grew up in the hotel trade. And my dad always he had the Wheel Inn, which is now the Bose Incline. He had the Rex Hotel, and we had this place called the Roman Lodge in Corbridge. And I grew up in Gateshead. But uh, he got me. I can't. In the in the, in the seventies, he used to have guitar lessons at school. And I came back one day and I could play like three chords. And my father was like, I, he just thought it was incredible that I could play the guitar. And then he got me private guitar lessons. And uh, I was classically trained from the age of 11. So that's how it all... Right. But I never... I'd, I'd play in the restaurant at the hotel. Okay. Instead of having peeling the spuds and washing the potatoes, I thought it's a lot easier... For me to play the guitar in the corner of the restaurant, yeah. even though everybody would go, "Who's that little girl playing the guitar?" <laughs> <laughs> but uh, actually, when we started the first rehearsal that we had, and we wrote, I don't know if you, we'd we'd written, "Stop right there." Uh, we'd 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 written a, about five songs in about a week, and then we went up to Brixton because we went for to, to the community centre and it was £1.75 an hour for rehearsals and I was the guitarist and we were looking for we, we were going to look for a singer and then I broke all the strings on my guitar and Guy said well you've sang these songs why don't you give it a but I'd never sang through a, a real mic and uh, I'd be doing a song called Hits to Please and then all of a sudden it was like Yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was really weird. So I became a singer. That's fucking did, brilliant. Did you know? But did you know? The, is that something you wanted to do, though, Spike? Or was it something you just no, wanted to be the guitar? No, no, I never ever thought that. I, I, I want. You know, at the time I was, I was before I broke my leg and my arm. I was playing. You know, I was in Newcastle reserves. So I was that. My dream was to be a footballer. So. uh but uh, obviously, when I had all these uh, broken arm, everything, I didn't come back as good as what I was. And then, uh, yeah. so that's when I had to move to London to get a job, basically. And uh, so people always say, it's like me and Gaza have lived a parallel life. <laughs> <laughs> Except I can carry on, do. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's but, mad, uh, dude. Like, yeah, it was weird, man. I mean, you know, it was like, and then the most wonderful thing is later on in my life, I ended up playing St. James's Park with the Rolling Stones. Yes. So the first thing I'd done was like, I went and straight on the number nine peg. And then I'd I, I done this, the, the song for Sir Bobby for Cancer Research. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually playing next week for uh, Tears Cancer Trust in Newcastle at the Wyland Brewery. Which is on the town moor with uh, I'm playing acoustic and Andy Taylor from Duran Duran's playing, Luke Morley's playing. Oh, wow. And we're doing a show for them. So all the Jodies are getting back together for, for one night. 
These guys are going. Yeah. <laughs> These guys are going. Italy pissed, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so, you know, it's funny how things turn out. Yeah. It's incredible, man. So when you were all down in London, obviously that, that was your hub then to go up and down the country, build the band, get an agent, um, and that's how you started getting those awesome slots then, was it, man? Or? No, we had an agent, Adrian Purser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who got us on, like, we played with, uh, I mean, we would just play with anybody. In them days, you played all the universities. Yeah. Until we got banned from being called the Queer Boys <laughs> and got protested about so much. But uh, we would play. Uh, and one thing was we were, you know, and, uh, when we lived in London, you had, you had the Marquee Club. Hmm. And luckily for us, Bush Telfer, when he, we, we, we'd, do, we'd done one demo and we'd take it around every you know, your cassette. We'd take it around every club. You know, from Dublin Castle and Camden, everywhere. Nobody would give her a gig. Mm. And then one night we got a, a, a call. Hey, are you guys, can you play tonight? Straight there, you know. And then uh, we became a steady act at the at the Marquee Club. And then when it was at the Marquee Club, it was like, it was really weird because when I grew up in Newcastle, you had you had the Mayfair, right? You had the Mayfair, and uh, and that would go on to like three or four in the morning, you know. And and in London, believe it or not, at the time there wasn't a rock club. There was no rock clubs. You know, oh. you had the Marquee, but that finished at eleven. Yeah. To get in the in the San Moritz, you had to be a member, yeah. and that would go on till four o'clock in the morning. And then uh, there was a place called Gossips on Dean Street, and uh, only Clive from Doctor and the Medics. And he would do the Monday night, and then me and Butts, uh, who was in a group called the Babysitters, that we played with a lot at the Marquee, we went, why don't we start a rock and roll club? And that's how Butts and Spikes at... And that lasted for like seven, eight years, and it was the only rock club, believe it or not, in London, until other people cottoned on to the idea. But they, that club paid for all the choir boys' rehearsals, it paid for... The equipment, it paid for everything, and that was the whole idea behind it, you know. So it was just when you're a kid, I mean, I was only 18, 17, 18 at that time, and you have to think of ways to make money to get your band gun, you yeah. Know? And that's yeah, what yeah, yeah. We would have come up with some brilliant ideas, would have like, would have Christmas in August. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like we're gonna heaven to me. That's brilliant. Yeah, and th then we there was a little stage, and and, and it's funny enough, Wolfsbane and a lot of bands. It was their first gig. We used to put bands on as well, you know. And uh, if we were doing really bad, we'd put rumors around that really famous people were coming down. <laughs> but it was packed every. It was packed every night. It was great, great fun. That's it's incredible. Probably, probably some of the best memories I I, I have of. of when I lived in London, you know, it was, it was a wonderful time. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. From, from then, Kiss came down, Guns N' Roses, you know, when it became, I mean, I'm talking when we first started it, but then when it was massive, man, it was like, it, it, it became, but me, I would charge everybody to go in. It was only £2.50. And when Kiss came down, they were like, 
We should be on the guest list. I went, can you not afford £2.50? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there's no guest list. Because <laughs> the equivalent was a cut house in LA. And me and Tammy are really old pals. And it, that's why MTV done a, a thing where they, they flew people from my club to uh, the cut house. And we'd done this whole competition thing. You know, I'm sure the Americans were out, were out of the moon to have to come to bloody <laughs> to London <laughs> to the shithole that was was the Spice Club next door to a brothel. <laughs> you know, our club was right next door to a brothel with a red light. I mean, this is when Soho was Soho. You know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but uh, you know, I I used to say that. I said, to Tammy, I was like, how the hell do you make any money from yours? Because everybody gets it in free. You must get a take of the bar. I said, no. They just done it for the love and to have people come down, you know? Yeah. But uh, Tammy says, hi, I spoke to him last night. And like, and like you said, that, that just made enough to, to fund the choir boys then. Well, it did. I mean, it was like that paid for rehearsals and we used to rehearse then, believe it or not. yeah we did and it was it was good fun you know I wish that a lot of young bands that we play with now they have no idea what we went through or 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 that but that is your apprenticeship and you you've got to do that and then you find out whether you're a man or that's it you're going to pack in Mm. And be your girlfriend for the rest of your life and get a proper job. You know, yeah. you know what you're gonna do if you if you're gonna be in a rock band. That's your, that's your life, you know. Yeah. And that's how we dealt with it basically. But it it was a good way of making money for the band. Huge press came out of that, and and huge because all the journalists from Kerrang would come down, and and that was the the in place to be. So it was it was a really good idea at the time. So uh, that's what we done around, and it lasted way after the. I mean, after I think it lasted eight, nine years. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Some stunning birds down there as well. <laughs> you should see them now. The. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> So when when was it for you and Spike? Um, like when 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 it all sort of, said that. <laughs> when it all kicked off and you, you you saw a difference like whoa shit when in the charts you know the album did well, um, your single um, reaching number fourteen well, like no I, th- I think that people forget when uh, the we were called the Queer Boys yeah and we got banned from everywhere. But then yeah. the queer boys were headlining the marquee every night. And then it came about, it was like, this is getting serious. People are actually coming to see her. And yeah. we're doing really well. You yeah. know? And then uh, we headlined the Dominion Theatre, for God's sake. And we didn't have a record deal. I mean, how many bands could do that today? Jesus it's, Christ. It's unbelievable. Yeah, we, wow. The band was just getting bigger. And, and it was all really great fans of ours that started off with us 
you know, basically playing the same songs that we did on the record, but on the first album. And then we just tweaked them a bit, but it was like we had a hardcore following all over the country, not just in London, but once you started, you know, we'd pick up people all the way, you yeah. know. And I think when we became popular, then people didn't like that we became popular because we yeah. were their band. You know what I mean? It was quite, yeah, yeah. it was quite weird, really. But uh, yeah, I miss them days. I didn't miss working on the building site there. With the, <laughs> all the crazy pavement. Oh, excuse me. Thank you. Did, thank it, you. did it? Did it just go like? Because obviously, I mean, some bands. I mean, same as us when we were we were kind of at it when you're younger. You're you're grafting and that. You were living the party life before you kind of took off with the record deal and traveling the world. Like, do you know what I mean? Because like from everything you just said, then with the club, mm. um. It was all at your your feet anyway. At that point, you know, you had the the well, hot spot yeah. in London. If, if we if we, but then we were playing, you know, like the universities would play, be playing places all over the country. Yeah, we we toured with the Cherry Bombs. Yeah, Johnny Thunders. Yeah. I mean, you've got no idea the amount of bands that we played with that are now, you know, the Hannah Rocks. Well, not the Hannah Rocks, it's Cherry Bombs. Sorry, and uh, Johnny Thunders we toured with. Temple Tree, I mean, the, the list goes on. Yeah. I mean, Doctor and the Medics who played with a lot. And then when when Clive and Vaughn and all the lads became, when they got Spirit in the Sky, it was like, oh, my God, you can actually do this, you know? And, uh, but we, God, man, it wasn't just a couple of years. I mean, I remember my father turned up so many times with, Crates of beer for sandwiches. But no, you know, absolutely nothing. So it's like, uh, I think that's, uh, luckily we all, we all had good families behind us and that they knew that was something good going, you know. You must remind me to repay them all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. First thing I'd done. Yeah. Oh man, that's incredible! Or it's it's really honestly, I didn't know it started like that. I didn't know about the club. Well, what happened was we 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 were playing, and I remember we were going to do our last ever rehearsal, and Ginger was in the band then, and we were going to do our last ever rehearsal because we were like going, we've, we've headlined the Dominion, we've done all these massive shows that we, we couldn't get a record deal, and um, Nigel Mogg. He was the bass player in the choir boys. His uncle was Phil Mogg. Yes. Right? And then f from UFO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Phil Mogg was our saviour. You know, and he came down to... i never forget, he came down to our rehearsal and we went, this is going to be our last... We, we, we're just at the point of giving up. Do you know what I mean? We're like, How? nobody's going to give him a deal. We're not going to get anything. And uh, and Phil Mogg turned up there, and then he walked into the rehearsal studio with two carrier bags full of booze. And I says, "That's the last rehearsal." He says, "Well, he says, I'll tell you what." He says, uh, "I've got your show uh, split up after you've played with Guns N' Roses as Hammersmith Audience." <laughs> and uh, he got he he got he was our first manager, proper manager, Phil Mogg. And that was and the first show we got you. He he got us the he got us the gig at um, Hammersmith <laughs> Audio with Guns N' Roses. I mean, we'd played with Guns 
Guns N' Roses played the night before the Choir Boys at the Marquee. Yeah. yeah. So we all got to know each other, and we were really good friends and everything. But Phil got us the show. There was uh, Ali Gun- uh, sorry, uh, Guns N' Roses, Pastor Pussycat, and, and then we opened up. And what he done was, which was absolutely incredible, um, Guy had lost his guitar, so he didn't have a guitar. We didn't have any amps because all amps had that. And he got all of UFOs. <laughs> he put all of UFOs crew down, right? Give us all of UFOs equipment. And I remember they all came in. They're all like, you know, he had about like five roadies. We'd never had roadies before. Yeah. I remember Duff McKagan turned around to me and goes, my God, you guys are so professional. <laughs> and I go, unbelievable. You know? It's like, but that changed our lives after that show. Wow, really wow. You know? what, so that so was the show that turned you around. Yeah. If, that's why I sing Misty Green and Blue every night for him. <laughs> Phil Phil Mogg got up and played with the choir boys. We always had to play Doctor Doctor. You know. And when you think about it, when I I grew up going to the Mayfair in Newcastle. Yeah. yeah. Or the Newcastle City Hall. When I was a kid you'd go to see anybody. And I'd seen UFO with Girl, you know, Phil Lewis. It's funny how things all come around and Yeah. yeah. I mean fellas, you know, still great friends to this day we, we speak every day and but it wasn't for him we wouldn't have really you know that turning point yeah. as you see you know that was the the major thing when we played Hammersmith and then every American manager and we we had a uh, we'd got a we'd got a um, a deal off a company called Survival Records and uh, they they paid for a demo for us and then uh it was there she goes again, and when that became successful, they were an affiliate of EMI, mm. and we got a letter through the post saying EMI have picked up your deal for one pound, and then Sharon Osbourne came on the scene, <laughs> so it wow. certainly wasn't a pound <laughs> wow. by the time she'd finished with it. So uh, it was all it, honestly, man. I get on for hours. You, you've got no idea how how much we'd been through. What was she and like I, to work with, Spike? Was because um, that would have been early on in her career. That would have, would it? Or early on in her career? W- was that early or no? Or... She grew up in the business. Her dad. Was yeah, because of her dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Her dad. Yeah. Better not mention her. She might come round and uh, <laughs> she might come round your house. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, no, but what was she like, dude, to work with? Was she as ruthless? Brilliant. The the rumors absolutely are, you know? brilliant. I mean, you, you know, we had every manager when the band became big, yeah. or like when the buzz was happening. We had every manager in the world after us. Yeah. You know, all American though, and then all of a sudden. When you've got an English manager who only managed Aussie, yeah. you know, um, and you know you were taken aback because you know we were only twenty, twenty-one. Say, so, oh my God, you know, every other every other manager had about fifteen 
to 20 acts, yep. you know, Metallica's people and all them other, you know, they all they all managed American acts. And, and we thought, well, it'd be great just to have an ink because, you know, we didn't want to, we never looked at ourselves as going to America and, and, and doing that. But it, it, and we thought we'd get lost in that whole, and there was so much going on because we, we were involved in the survival record. They were brilliant people at survival records, I must admit. But we had to make a decision, and and Sharon was our choice. I think anybody would have went with Sharon at that point. You know, yeah. you, you, you guys know, if, you, if you're in a band, you know, you get lost within 10, 15 bands. And she, yeah. she only had, sorry, she had Lita Ford as well. Find out later, but um, she, you know, Sharon kept the. She she just didn't do the um, we we could have toured America nonstop, but it was like she she obviously with her experience it was like Europe, Scandinavia, get on them tours, you know. And, and you know what? If we hadn't have done no them, that I mean that's our bread and butter today. Mm. You know what I mean? We we go to, we still go to America. We still do the rock cruises and and we we just finished a tour before lockdown. And, but um, hey, she knows what she's doing. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, you know? yeah. And if you think I'm going to say anything nasty about her, <laughs> stop laughing. <laughs> Wait for the book to come out. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, I'd buy that let me tell you oh, 100%. Um, so how long was she a manager for she would have been our manager for about from 89 till 89, 90, 91, 92 and then Steve Barnett and Stuart Young who managed ACDC took over yeah. English guys again yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And they, were, they were great yeah yeah how could I turn down somebody who? Uh... Sorry. It's all right. <laughs> I don't wear it in ears. <laughs> <laughs> I just fell off my feet. That must be a singer thing because I'm not great with the new monitors either. Who? who um... Do you know what I? She talked about monitors, right? Yeah. When we played with Bernie, told me. Mm. And uh, Phil Lewis, I'm at Chris Hyman's house tonight, and uh, he was in Tormir. So it was Phil Lewis, Bernie Tormir, Phil Lewis was in there, and Chris Hyman. And we were playing this, it was, we played a lot of shows with Bernie. Yeah. I'll never forget being in, uh, we were playing this terrible place one night, right? And uh, Phil Lewis goes, Right, Spike, come with me, I'm going to show you. Right, so he takes me into the the owner's office, and he's sitting there smoking a, a big old cigar, right? And Phil Phil Lewis goes, "The PA is shit. You have to get a new one. It's absolutely shit. There's nothing coming out. We can't hear a word." And the guy looked at me and went, "It was good enough for the Beatles. It's good enough for you." <laughs> <laughs> So that's how we used to play. I, I, do you know what? To this day, I I can't even tell if I've got a monitor. As long as I've got the key, I'm fine. Yeah, 
I never, I've never sound checked in the choir boys. I think since ninety two. Well, we've done, we've done, we've done. I don't know how many shows with you now, Spike. We've done a few. You never um, see me, no, we see you. We see you later on. You've come like like we did one in Puthcall, and I I know you popped in a dressing room. You're like, all right, lads, and that, and that was it. We didn't see you then, but um, yeah. yeah, we don't see you in the sound checks. So that makes sense now. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And well, I, I need me rest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Has there ever been like I always I always, is ever lads, I, know that I always make a point of coming in to see yeah, yeah all yeah, the young yeah. bands that we play with because we were treated so fucking badly when we were starting and I mean we played with mud <laughs> sweet we played with everybody and everybody used to treat us like shit so I always make a point of actually being hey lads use whatever you want to do yeah you know, yeah yeah you know. I hope that you thought I was nice when you met me. No, we really did. Do. Yeah, okay. you've always been welcome, and and the other lads in the band as well. They were they were. I always offer were. everybody a drink. You know, I, if you want anything, drink, come in our dressing room. <laughs> yeah, you weren't there. I think you were in the toilet with some bloke. <laughs> uh, well, that's going to start a few rumours. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm man, that, do you do you ever like get on the stage and go fuck? I wish I would have come to sound check. Has it ever been like, or do you just adjust and you just think, nah, I'm in, I'm no, in the mood. No. The thing is, what I, what I know is is, is uh, if I can't hear myself, right? I always ask the audience, can you hear me? And if they can hear me, then I know how to to pitch me songs, and I don't overdo it. Because I know that I can't hear myself, but they can. So that, that's the way I've always done it. I never, I, you know, it's like I, I played for years with, you know, Guy Bailey and, you know, a few other guitars that are just so loud that your your ears are nearly bursting. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's you know, if they can't hear me, then, you know. Nobody gives a shit if they can hear the singer, do they? <laughs> it all depends what I say in between the songs, then I get them all back. <laughs> uh, that's brilliant. Uh, that, that's the thing when you, the hardest thing I, I always found when we were, it was like you had to have an attitude to, to like, you know, t- to make the audience like they either loved you or they hated you, or you have a fight with them, or you, you know what I mean? And it yeah. was like, that was the way that I, I think singing was the least of me worries. It was like controlling everything that was going on. I mean, all the yeah, shit yeah. that was going around around us, and, and uh, you know, you have to, it's it's not being a stand up comedian, but it's, it's being like, you know, give me a yeah! Yeah, oh, you know, whatever. I don't know. You know, you know, you gotta go and get everybody involved. Yeah, really. You know? Yeah, yeah. I remember when we played with Bowie. We played what? with Bowie in uh, on the Glass Bayer tour, on, on the, when we were on tour of Guns and Roses, and we had a day off, and we we played with David Bowie in front of a hundred and. I think it was it was more than Donington. It was about one hundred and forty. I never forget. Everybody was sitting down. Everybody was sitting down and they hated us. And after the third song, I says, 
Do you know what? It's not my fault. We've won two world wars. <laughs> Welcome. And the whole place, I thought we were going to get killed. But you know what? That I wouldn't do it now, but in them days when you were a kid, you didn't think. And uh, I walked off and I, I, I met Bowie and he was like, can't, can't believe you said that, you know, sausages. And... Uh, <laughs> But we went. Do you know what? Though? We went out a storm after that. <laughs> Sausage oh, shows you, doesn't it? <laughs> the things you have to do when you're in a rock and roll band to create a storm. <laughs> Unbelievable! Wow, you play with Bowie? I didn't know that. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I was really oh. shocked because I, I, it's like somebody came up to me the other day and they said, "I expected you to be so much taller." <laughs> I was like, "I'm six foot." <laughs> But I expect Bowie to be six foot five. You know what I mean? How I'm tall is he? Six foot, lads. How, how, how tall is Bowie? He, he's... About your height. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot skinnier. Uh... <laughs> oh, Christ. Oh. And then we went off to play with Guns N' Roses the next day and I had to do a bloody press conference for them because of all the so, uh, things that they went through. So, so how, but, where, where was your air dad then, Spike, in that time? You know, you, you, you win Bowie, you, Guns N' Roses. Do you think you made uh, it? You, know. you, you win? That's incredible. Where's your mind at in that time, bud? Are you thinking we've made it? This is going to be in the next sort of five, six you years? You never think or? that. You never think that. Yeah. Main guy barely would uh we'd be in a hotel room every night and how can we make the band better? How can we do this? Because we'd started off we had a we had a plan and we were like going good I mean, the only thing that we from even the way we dressed, you know, it was like it was like step to one son. You know what I mean? And at that time we couldn't afford clothes from anywhere. Yeah. So you'd, go, you'd you'd get like old pinstripe jackets, carnation, and everybody used to come to the gigs dressed in a carnation waistcoat. You know, I'm still yeah. wearing the same clothes I was on the building back side. then. Yeah, you know, but uh, it was a good idea at the time, and, and so many people come up to me now and they go, "Have a look at this picture," and they wear a carnation pinstripe jacket. I'm at my wife at your gig. You know, wow. we've got three yeah, kids. Yeah. And yeah, I'm like, don't fucking blame me. <laughs> <laughs> she was lovely when I met her. <laughs> but we, you know, but that's people from, I mean, years and years ago, man. Yeah. You know, but uh, I guess that's the way that we we did really look at, we did have an image that we thought would be, we we the, the gypsy thing because my family would you know my mum yeah. said the family were all that way inclined. Don't worry, I won't bring them round, and they'll steal all your stuff. <laughs> 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 they were honest ones, and, uh, <laughs> but uh, it was. I mean, we we think about things like that. We think about how how we're going to dress, how we're going to look. And then when money comes involved, then you get clothes designers and everything like that. 
we had so much. I mean, we had the girl who designed Stephen Tyler's clothes, and I give all mine to my sister. <laughs> I was like, fucking wear that. <laughs> I think I bought some of their jackets once, and you know, you're going like, oh god. So they, they try to change your image, they try to change well, you. It's not, when you become successful, everybody gives you a lot of stuff free and other people yeah. get involved. And obviously, you know, there's clothes designers. Doing what I get. You know what? You know, I, 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 didn't need, uh, uh, I didn't need a better headscarf. I didn't need a better pinstripe jacket. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But uh, that's just the way things were. But thank God, you know, it, it all came. Everything happened. It, when, it, when it happens, lads, you, you, you didn't realize. You know, when we were first on top of the pops, and I mean, you would think that that's when you go, <gasps> you know. I remember pops, going yeah. to the BBC, uh, the BBC bar and calling me mum and dad and going, oh. I mean, everybody in them days would be like, oh, if you're on top of the pops, that's it, you know. Yeah. That's amazing. And it was, a, it was a wonderful evening, you know. And Jimmy Savile wasn't there before you ask. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the toilet with Jonathan oh. King. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. But uh, do you know what, though? Oh. Top of the Pops, though, dude. That's something we'll never be able to do, Rod. Top of the Pops. Do you know what I mean? I know, and we grew up with it, and... I know it's incredible. It's incredible because yeah. we we did come in at that era where we had to put our own posters up. So we weren't we weren't of yeah. the generation where you just press a button now when you advertise your gig. We used to have to we go out with a bucket of of paste and fucking put poster every yeah, yeah. But, you know if the coppers caught they would be chasing you down the road or the clubs would be trying to find you like because it was uh, it was an offence, wasn't it? Well, it was in Wales anyway, like you know so. But that's how you sold your gigs, you know. You got out in the streets and you fucking you sold them, like you know. know. So I mean, we used to go to the um, when I'd make club, we'd we'd, we'd make fly. What was the, the you know when you used to uh, photocopy everything? Yeah, and you'd cut for hours cutting up your little flyers. Yeah, to put out everywhere and to hand out to and and go down to a club or if a band was playing, you'd put them out. You know. Yeah, bands don't do that anymore, do they? No, because you used to get street teams and stuff back in the day where you give them a give them a few tickets and they'd they go and poster for you or leaflet for you as well, like you know. We never so, had that. Yeah, that was like late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, yeah, no, it was. It was trying to kind of get it bigger. Like, how could you get it? How could you make it bigger? Yeah. Or we'd or we go down the motor point and stuff. Or like, I remember us traveling to London, Winnishine, and we get down there early, and then you'd be handing out posters for the for whatever club you were playing in, like, you know? Yeah. So just trying to get punters off the street and stuff. So, yeah, yeah man, it's completely different. You know, the industry's changed so much well, now. Was, like, well, you know? The first time I went to, to Hollywood with the choir boys in 89, we didn't, we didn't, I think it was 88, actually. And, I mean, everywhere was covered with bands like London and all these other bands. And, I mean, yeah. there was... Yeah, they used to work really, really hard, just like what we done with the with the queer boys and my club as well. I think my club was more uh, widely known than the band. 
it was it was ridiculous. We we really worked hard on that, you know, and uh, and we did do shows down there as well. Not the choir boys of the choir. We'd have different people up. Bruce Willis yeah. played harmonica with me one night. No, <laughs> no way. Yeah, and I still made him to pay to get in. <laughs> two pound fifty or yes. two twenty-five. Yeah, yeah. and uh, there was so many. You know, a lot of so many people came down, and we'd have like a little jam band, and people would get up and play, and it was it was great. But I think that that was a major part of the Choir Boys, that that club. Yeah. You know, it went hand in hand, you know, because you had the Intrepid Fox over the road, you had Raymond's Review Bar, with all no. the girls in, all the strippers. Oh, right, right. right. <laughs> so that was the major. <laughs> It was the nod was, scene, wasn't it? It was, it was the nod, major. and he looked at me and you know, Raven's, uh, Raven's bar, you know? Raven's review bar was the major point of uh, of every call, because it was always full of Japanese businessmen. And there's many a time that Guy Bailey had took the wrong step and walked onto stage with a bunch of flowers. Or <laughs> 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 his girlfriend, rather than going, oh... <laughs> uh, we have, we I, I clearly, Spike. I think you should open up another club, dude. By the sounds of yes. it, yes. Well, the last yeah. time I was there, you know, they, they offered me a couple. Of, I'm too old to do it now. Yeah, uh, do you know what? I'd, I'd have to stay up till five in the morning every night again, lads. <laughs> I'm only good at th- I'm only good till three. That's what I was thinking then. Uh, I'm just uh, uh, I'm just happy I'm still around. Yeah, Although man. I could have finished. I could have finished when I was 28. That was for Tyler. Rang, you know Tyler, dogs the more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were really good. And I remember on my uh, on my 28th birthday, I was living in Hollywood, and I don't know how he got me number, but he got me number on my 28th birthday. And I picked up the phone. This is before mobile phones. He went, ha, you're not going to be a legend. (laughs) 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 And we've been friends ever since. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't join the 27 club. I fucking tried hard, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know. I'm doing another thing with Tyler as well. So we do the hot knives once every five years. Spike and Tyler's hot knives. So we're going to be doing that at some point as well. Talking talking about his majesty, (laughs) Tyler. But uh, yeah, we're going to be doing that in a bit. What else have you been working on as well lately, Spike? Well, I've done the acoustic thing. I, I did an album in lockdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I did. I didn't. It wasn't an album. It was an album for me, ma'am. Our favorite songs. You know what I mean. And then Tyler. It was Tyler that said you should release it on Guy Bailey. And Guy Bailey said, "Call it Spike's Late Night Songbook." He says, "Because nobody'll ever heard you play like that." So I was like, "All right." I says, "Ah, I'm not going to do it." And he's like, "I says, just for me, ma'am." You know. And they were like, no, I'll put it out. So I put it out. And then that led from other things and everything's been like that. 
so we've been uh, I got new merch thing with uh, obviously villains merch Tyler's merch company oh you went off no are you, are you sure? oh there yeah, well done yeah very yeah, there we go. again there we go yeah Spike's oh, cool. late night songbook yeah, Guy Bailey came up with that. He's always good at coming up with titles, Guy Bailey. That's a great, that is. That's a good That's title. actually not my signature. No. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is Tyler doing my signature properly. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. It's like nobody can read your signature. So he, he's done his, I'm trying to copy my own signature now. <laughs> <laughs> See, I just put a little heart on the top. <laughs> oh man! And then he got uh, some yeah, Paul and friends. there again, yeah. That's that's, that's songs with Frankie Miller. Uh, so-called friends was done after I'd done. It's a treat to be alive. Uh, my first solo album properly, and um, there were songs that I had left over off. It's a treat to be alive, and I I do a few. There was the time when you know it was like I was. Very, got very good friends with uh, Annette Miller and Frankie Miller, and uh, then I ended up doing the, you know, Frankie Miller, hundred percent pure Frankie Miller. So it was like that's an album before that. So there's there's a great song on it called Cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> The first version of it. And then the next version on the 100% Pure is Ronnie Wood playing on cocaine. Oh, wow. Ronnie Wood plays on like four, three or four songs on that album. And Simon Kirk, Andy Fraser. And f- unfortunately, Andy Fraser passed away before we were going to tour. Yeah. Uh, Luke Morley and Ian Hunter's on the piano. There's some great people. On- I do a duet with Bonnie Tyler. Oh man, I gotta check this out. I I, I knew nothing on it. You never seen that? No. Fortune, right? The duet of me and Body Tyler is the biggest song at this time being played at weddings. Bigger than Robbie Williams' Angels. Did you know I'm, that? I'm, I'm downloading this right now. You're gonna have to download it. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible, Spike. Yeah. Yeah. And as, when I played it to my mom, right? I know I've said this a lot of times before, but when when I did the duet with Bonnie, I played it to my mom. The first person I played it to was my, she didn't know about Ronnie Wood. She, she didn't know, you know, Ian Hunter is, or but she knew who Bonnie Tyler was. Yeah, and and she went. I played her the song, and she went, "This is brilliant, brilliant." One of the best songs you've ever done. She went, which bit's you? <laughs> <laughs> and I, mu- I must admit, when I was mixing it, I was getting confused myself half the time. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> so you got to hear it, lads. And, and yeah. everybody's playing it at weddings. It's all over YouTube. And everything. There's so many people playing it at the wedding because it's the most simplest and beautifulest song. And these are songs that Frankie, nobody had ever heard by Frankie Miller. And it was like, a, it was my, you know, it took me a long, long time to pull this together, but I was determined not to, for people to, and I, hopefully I'll get to do another album because there's so many songs left that nobody's ever heard by Frankie. 
Yeah. And he's one of the greatest singers. He is the greatest singer and one of the greatest songwriters of all time. So uh, I think that uh, I was so honoured that they asked me to do that. Fantastic. You know? Definitely. You've never that heard album. that album? No. 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 How have you got a radio show and you don't look, do you not like look into the the people that you're speaking to? Well, yeah, the choir boys, yeah. Yeah, we did. But yeah, I didn't know, yeah. Yeah, we would definitely be downloading that, mate. That sounds incredible. Did the Ronnie Wood Wood relationship, is that from where like you met him with the Rolling Stones and it's continued from there or? Yeah, we played with the Stones and um, Marlon Richard who is uh, Keith Richards' son was he he done the, the album of uh, This Is Rock and Roll he done the album cover and the whole artwork and he's one of Nigel's best pals and we all uh, we all met up <laughs> and, <had> a, <laughs> and we all had a really really good time and uh and we've since had a really good time. And then, um, no, no, it was it was lovely. That uh, you can remember, uh, Frankie Miller was a really good friend of Ronnie Woods, really good friend of Stones. And unfortunately, Frankie had a brain hemorrhage, and he's still alive. You know, obviously, you haven't done your homework because you know nothing about Frankie Miller. No, because we're interviewing you. Yeah. <laughs> Frankie, I, when I do my solo shows, I play a lot of Frankie Miller. I, I can't off, wait to use my album, off my solo album that I done. Yeah, and uh, you know he's he's Rod Stewart's favorite singer. You know, he's he's one of the. You know, I think Danny. I think every all my friends that are singers would go. He's Frankie's the best. You know, definitely. Wow. Yeah, I think even Paul Rogers and everybody would say he's he's probably the best singer that that we've ever had. In the United Kingdom, which means apart from Tom Jones, obviously being in Wales. Exactly. <laughs> Correct answer. <laughs> I wrote a song for Tom Jones. No way. How long? Should wow. I tell you what happened? Yes, please. Should I tell you what happened the night I was supposed to meet Tom Jones? Yes. Tom Jones was my hero. Uh, when oh, I was a kid, no. when I was four or five, and it was when he was making the he was making the comeback, and uh, it was the guy, oh, he's the best player in Blondie was working at uh, a record company in LA, and and I I wrote the song called How Long, which you've recorded. So I we were living in Ireland, we were living in Dublin, and. Uh, and we had like three houses in Dublin. And I was due to go and meet Tom Jones, my hero, right? Before the show, because Tom leaves after the gig. And then I, I get a phone call from Guy Griffin. And he goes, he says, Spike, he says, you know them, uh, Fred Bentos, of Time Brand, Stick, Stick Kitty Pies. Are you supposed to take the lid off? <laughs> and I heard the background. <laughs> and then I had to go over. So that is the reason I never met Tom Jones. <laughs> All through a fucking pie. 
Does pay. So, uh, you can't make it up, can you? No. Well, the old hometown is the same. <laughs> you see, the good thing is with you Welsh guys and us Geordies, you see, our grandparents all worked in the pit. Yeah. That's where we're all good singers. Thick vocal cords. Yeah. Well, that's what Jono taught me. <laughs> anyway, that was his. that was his view on it. Yeah. Right, Johnson. Yeah. She says, well, I've got thick vocal cords to our grandparents working doing the pit. It's probably true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Thinking about yeah. it, yeah. yeah. But, uh, I, I'll never look at a free Bentos pie the same. No, not me, no. <laughs> not me. Honestly, uh, do you know when, I, when I, I turned up to see him, he had steak and kidney in his hair. <laughs> and I was like, I'm, I'm just about to be Tom Jones. I don't need this. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, that's all for Yeah. So, uh, that's very rock and roll, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have mentioned that, really, should I? So, it's just live. Oh, can you? Yeah. <laughs> so, you wrote the song for him. Did he get to hear it? Of course, he sang it on his friggin' album. He's singing your song. We, 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 we wrote songs for Tina Turner, Alice Cooper. We wrote uh, quite a few. What do you mean we? Who's who? Mean Guy Bailey. Ah, right. Sorry. Right, yeah. A lot of songs. Some of them didn't get recorded. Some of them did. Some Whippin' Boy was originally written for Tina Turner. Wow. Uh, you know, the way the things are in the world at the minute, I'm not even sure if we can fucking play Whippin' Boy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Are we? <laughs> That's incredible. I didn't know that. No, yeah, I didn't we know wrote, that. Me, Willie Dowling, and uh, Guy Billy wrote Whitman Boy. We got asked to do a song for Tina Turner. And uh, and that was the song that we wrote. And then Sharon went, it's such a good song. You should keep it for yourselves. I wish to God I'd given it to Tina Turner now. <laughs> <laughs> but now, I don't know, we'd probably be called fucking racist. I don't know. Yeah. But then I'm from Newcastle, so who cares? Man, you've educated us. Only life, isn't it? I don't, you know, I think that Muddy Waters and everybody else, we're only playing the blues and singing what life is about. Yeah. You know? Yeah, man. Don't you guys agree? Yeah, you. Yeah, exactly it's, that. You got to. You, know, you got to write what's true what, to you. you otherwise, know, I, I, I always go by the the motto of Chuck Berry. You know, well, not really by <laughs> motto because he he ended up being yeah, a really bad way. Yeah, he was a bit of a perv, wasn't he? And uh, what was it? You know, drinking. Rock and roll, cars, cars, women drinking. You can't go wrong, can you? Well, you can if you drink hard drinking ballads. <laughs> That's the best way. So, when are you guys playing next? Tomorrow. Where you Tomorrow. Playing? Manchester. Well, the White yeah. What songs are you going to play? Ooh. Seven o'clock. 
<laughs> with the chorus or without? We'll go with. Actually, we haven't got that long, so without. Uh, by the way, by the way, if you're gonna do any Choir Boys songs, we're probably the only band that doesn't detune. Is it? <laughs> I see what he's did there. Sharper than me, any. Have to explain uh, that one to me after. I, I, don't, I don't know what you. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Spike. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I also, I, I remember playing with Guns N' Roses and we went up and uh, I was like, for fuck's sake, why doesn't anybody play normal tune anymore? Yeah. Chuck Berry always did. The Stones do. Yeah. I said to the guys in the band, I said, the day that you I detune, I'm I'm stopping. Yeah. yeah. So what so, what do you think so bad about it then? Because you can't if something happens, you can't jam. Ah you know what right. I mean? If something happens on stage, which you usually does, you can't go into another if say if somebody comes up and plays with you. It's, it's like what happened with us, you know. Griff got up and played one night with uh, Cinderella or somebody. I can't remember Cinderella, and he was in normal tuning, and everybody's like, "Oh, LA Gun, sorry," and they're all like three tones down. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It makes uh, sense. We're what's, not we're not three tones down. No, half a step. Are we something like that? Half a step. E flat. It doesn't make any difference, lads. Just blasted Ooh. it, forget it. Do you know what? I, I, I'll never forget, right? The best advice I got about being about singing. Yeah. Right? We were in Vancouver doing the second album. Yeah. Bittersweet and Twisted. And I'd written a song, me and Guy Bailey had written a song called uh, Baby Just Walk, Ode to You. And it was going to be an argument. And, I, and I'd met Kathy, the girl who... I sang, uh, you know, War Children, Just a Shot Away, on, on Tom Lundice. You know, Exile on Main Street. And I says, oh, I'm going to see the doctor tomorrow. I says, I've, I've got a really bad throat. Oh, you know, me, me, I'm seeing the doctor. And she said, uh, she says, do you know what the best thing is for your throat? I said, so, I'm thinking that she's going to give me this brilliant cue and show. Do you know what the best thing is for you, your throat? Have a massive line of cocaine, a large Jack Daniels, and don't <laughs> fucking worry about it. <laughs> so I've lived my life on that, lads. <laughs> well, tour starts tomorrow. Strap in. Here yeah. we go. Crazy. <laughs> oh, that's, that's the truth, that man. That's, it's like don't worry about it. Yeah, you know, just go yeah. for it. What yeah. What is next for you, Spike? What What have you got coming up? Anything coming up now? Recording, playing. I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm recording another Spike's um, songbook for the, for Christmas. Uh, I've got a lot of. Th- the choir boys are t- obviously touring for yep, a while. Yeah, yeah. If uh, nobody gets COVID, hmm. uh, and then 
I'm doing a thing with Guy Bailey. We're going to be, do you know what? There's, there's a million things going on. It's all going to be fun. I love that. I love that. Always busy. We've been so, we've been so, I've been so busy in lockdown. So it was like, it it, it actually got me playing the guitar again. And I'm so, I'm playing in, uh, in Blackpool. It's been filmed. I think that's on the 19th. With me and Chris Harmon, we're doing a, we're going to film the show because the the shows have went down so well. Yeah. I'm not doing so many. I only think, I, I think I play about three choir boys, three or four choir boys songs. But it's 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 all the bands that I've played with over my career and all the people that have influenced me. Oh, amazing! And, uh, yeah, I play a bit ragtime and different things, and you know, so uh, come down. Oh, Blackpool's amazing. not far from where where about saying Wills? Uh, pretend. Don't give your address out, mate. No, no, pretend. You'd pretend. Have body Tyler turn it up. She phoned me the other day. I was like, Spike, is that you? <laughs> like you. Do you know what? Bonnie Tyler, <laughs> can I tell you something? Bonnie Tyler is one of the most brilliant people I've ever met. And I'll tell you what, right, lads? She'd be able to drink the three of us. And the Rolling Stones put together. Oh, <laughs> I love her. She's brilliant, isn't she? Oh, mate. We've got, we've got, um, <laughs> there's a local um, bathroom tiler, and he, he's called Bonnie Tyler. <laughs> Bonnie man. He drives past, I see it every day, Bonnie Tyler. Oh, brilliant, man. He's yeah, just not her. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking a bottle of whiskey while she's tailing, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? She was very, very good friends with Frankie Miller, and that's why that all came about. And uh, she, looked, you know, the funniest thing is, I don't think Frankie Miller ever drank whiskey. I don't drink whiskey. I don't think Bonnie does. But it's it's, it's good to mention it in songs. Have you yeah, mentioned yeah. whiskey in your songs, lads? Yeah, we have. From one yes, song. we have. Song, yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you drink it? Yeah, I love it. What type, what's your favorite whiskey? Um, all the Jacks. Um, no, that's like, bourbon. Yeah, well, true. Oh, Jim come on. Bourbon, that's Eaton. true. You are right, dude. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right there, actually, because I like Sun and Comfort and all that as well, so it's not really... Janice Joplin's yeah. drink. Janice Joplin's, eh? All right. That was her drink, Sun and Comfort. Janice Joplin, incredible Janice Joplin. Mm. Apparently, she used to smell of. <laughs> she used to smell of certain comfort. Why did she? Right, we're going to see someone else then. I heard that. I heard that she smelled very badly. Right. <coughs> and wow. that, certain, that certain people uh, used to lock her in room, lock um, guitarists into rooms. And she'd have her wicked ways with them. <laughs> and she used to smell really bad. <laughs> but that, that's, I just heard that. Maybe it was Benny Hill that told me. <laughs> and all the stores. <laughs> Pull yourselves together. Ah, oh, come on. Oh, God. Oh. 
I am laughing. I'm, I'm talking about sorry. Janice Joplin, the owner of the fish shop in Newcastle. I'm not talking about the Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you, brother. Thank you Thank so you, much. My friends. God bless you. Hey, I'll see you soon. I want to play. Absolutely definitely, right. mate. Honestly, definitely. Do you mind if I don't come to fucking sound check? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll pop my head around the door and uh, bring you a drink, right? I, te- I tell you, was, there's two things you've done for me tonight, Spike. What's that, mate? I've looked at free bentos pies differently, and now I've gone right off Southern Comfort. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, fucking brilliant. Spike, take care of yourself, and we'll definitely see you at a gig soon, mate. And we'll have that drink. We will have that drink. I'm looking forward to it now, honestly. Bless you. See you Take soon. Care. Take care. Lovely to see Take you, care. lads. Thanks for listening to Crowcast Podcast. Don't forget, this episode is also available to watch on our YouTube channel. For up-to-date information on everything Crows, follow us on all our socials or visit our website, thosedamncrows.com. Tidy. ta